contribute to building other people's dream while you're also building yours as well. When you collaborate and when you allow room for partnership, it allows you to go faster. Welcome to the Limitless Journey Podcast. Here we share the inspiring stories of young people who are making a real difference in their communities. We hope these stories of change and transformation motivates you to take action, live your best life, and also achieve your dreams. I'm your host, Success Yole Areveso, and I'm beyond excited to take you on this journey with us. Let's dive in. Welcome back, dear listeners. It's amazing that we are already on our third episode of the Limitless Journey podcast for this season. As the saying goes, the third time is the charm. And we're true to be here and also showing up for our amazing community. Today's episode is all about the power of stepping out of your comfort zone and believing in your ideas. I had the amazing privilege of chatting with Toby Eniade, the co-founder of Rovin's Eyes a thriving and popular bookstore here in Nigeria with outlets nationwide. Toby shared the incredible story of how she built her business from the ground up alongside with her co-founders. Her journey is a powerful reminder that with hard work and determination, anything is possible. Toby also has a thriving career in marketing and communications, proving that you truly can do it all. Her story is an inspiration to anyone who has a dream they want to pursue. So let's dive in and learn from Toby's journey. Thank you so much for being on board. How are you doing? Hi, success. I'm very well, thank you. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me as a guest. And um, yeah, it's lovely to be here. And I'm looking forward to a super exciting conversation with you and stuff. That's amazing. And that's so nice to hear. So I'm actually curious. What's one thing that you're actually, you know, thankful for today or that happened to you this week? Ah, interested question. And I love the question so much because it touches on the subject matter that I find that I hold very dear to my heart, gratitude. I definitely feel that um when you're grateful, like when you choose to have like a graceful grateful perspective to life it tends to make you appreciate every moment more and you know even attract even many more blessings so to answer your question one thing that i'm grateful for today yeah i'll start with today then maybe if something else comes to mind during the course of thinking back on what how my week went then i'll share so um for today i think i'm just grateful for the ability to shut down for even if it's just for a couple of minutes to take some very good to take a good restful nap i think that's like a very very beautiful thing it might seem pretty insignificant but i am grateful for the capacity to be able to nap to take a short sleep and wake up refreshed and invigorated to take on the rest of my day so uh yeah i think um Definitely grateful for that. And um, looking at my week, I would say um, I'm grateful for the ability to be able to 
be a part of something very meaningful and bring it from a place of conception to you know reality. So there's like a major project that I've been working on at my nine to five that kind of like took full shape and form this week and seeing it actually go live and you know release the idea or concepts to worldwide um space basically was really gratifying for me um i'm grateful for it because along the journey to getting that done there were so many issues there were bottlenecks bureaucracies especially we work with like a big organization you know but i'm also thankful that at least i was able to see the idea to life and it's super gratifying and so for that i'm grateful yeah that's so beautiful i could relate to some of the things i actually shared especially with the part of having the ability to rest because at times we would just be on this steady autopilot where we are just working and working and then there is no time for us to relax reflect or even sleep so most times on my bucket list is just having the ability to just shut down and just say you know what today I'm not doing anything. Let nobody call me. I am resting. Today is my rest day. So I think I really like I, I really like that response. So yeah, thank you so much. So um this whole episode is just um me getting to connect more with you and understanding, you know, your your trajectory and everything that you've done. I am very curious as to how you've been able to um build your career and the amazing innovations are actually part of which the first one is actually like Robin side. So before we actually get, you know, to that conversation, I don't know if it's comfortable for you to like introduce yourself, let people know a little bit more about you. You've, you've shared a little bit more about your nine to five job. I'd said at the beginning that you're the co-founder of Robin side. So like give us more background and more details about you, your upbringing and your work as well. So. Yeah. Thank you so much again for the um, success. Um, a bit about myself. Um, yeah, for the purpose of naming, I'm Toby Enyade. I'm from Oyo State. That's like the southwestern part of Nigeria. I grew up in a suburban part of Lagos known as Agege. And that's like one interesting fact about me that a lot of people find pretty surprising because they're like, Really? Agege of all places. But of course, Agege is known for very different things now. Or yeah. back then when I was growing up, it wasn't like the fanciest part of Lagos. Maybe if I had said it's not fancy like Festac or Ikoye or you know, any of the hyper areas of you know Lagos. Um a lot of people know me as the co-founder of Ruby Heights. Um Ruben Heights is an online and brick and mortar bookstore that is vibrant in Nigeria, uh, with retail stores across, with four retail stores across Lagos and Abuja and expanding. Um, the business actually, you know, took full operation of full shape and form sometime in 2015 when um, we decided to optimize or leverage the power of social media, especially Instagram, as a means to connecting with bibliophiles and book lovers. Um, Robinites isn't just my brainchild. It was a, an idea that stemmed out of my childhood as a child of parents who were both teachers. 
So my mom and dad were primary school teachers in Lagos and childhood was one filled with, you know, interesting memories. And one of those was the fact that we didn't have access to television, not because my parents couldn't afford it, but I think the one we grew up with then at some point stopped functioning or working and it couldn't be bothered to buy another one. And rather than just, you know, get a new TV set, it was just, you know, bombarding, a case of them bombarding us with books. And, you know, we used to have cousins, aunts and uncles, you know, pass on books to myself and my siblings. I'm the last of three children. I have an elder brother who is actually the co-founder of Ruby Night with myself. And because of bearing in mind that my childhood was one where, you know, the reading culture was something that invited then, it just was a no-brainer in my adulthood after I finished from Obafemi Awolo University to, you know, start off something that was pretty much in line with my passion and love for reading. Um, I studied English at Obafemi Awolo University, and um, I also have an MBA from the University of Surrey uh, in England. And um, beyond everything that I am at Roofing Heights, I also have another business on the side called The Book Lady. So The Book Lady is a book PR and marketing agency that is seeking to fill the gap in the area of representation and publicity for authors of minority ethnic groups and, you know, Black authors, basically. And we mostly serve clients across Nigeria, UK, and other parts of the world. Um, aside from Book Lady, I also am a podcaster. Yes, I have a podcast like yourself where I kind of like spotlight and showcase all things African literature, both fiction and non-fiction. I did that in collaboration with another friend of mine who is also super excited about books. Um, beyond all of these things that I've mentioned, um, a child of God, <laughs> I love Jesus very much. I, um, I, I think like everything that I... Um, I don't think I believe everything that I am and every expression of my purpose and my self, my creativity stems from him. I also, beyond just being entrepreneurial, I uh, also have like a nine to five. I have a thriving career as a marketing and communication professional. I currently work with a Top about pharmaceutical company as an internal engagement and communication manager in the UK. And um, yeah, I'm a daughter. I'm an aunt and an amazing friend to a very small circle of people that I hold very dear to my heart. Yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up about myself. That's an amazing introduction about yourself, to be honest. I think I actually like the progression and the fact that you mentioned, oh, I'm a Christian and I really love Jesus so much. <laughs> that was really nice. Thank you for sharing a little, um, a little more about you. Um, I, I really liked the fact that you had highlighted some points about how, you know, reading books and everything just came about from your childhood and how this whole thing where people know you as co-founder of Roving Night just started. And I also like the fact that you are not just one thing like an expression of like a lot. And that's something that I'm also trying to manage. I manage right now because we're in the, in the world where people try to say, oh, just 
be known for just a particular thing. But it's so interesting to actually hear you say, yeah, aside from being the founder of Rovinsight, which that's how I found you. You also have like a, a PR uh, marketing book agency. You also have a nine to five. Um, that's I think that's really a big deal, you know, with all the things that you've, you know, you've um, accomplished. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. So, right now, I'm really interested in how Ruby Night started. How did this happen? Because it's one thing to actually say you want to start a bookstore in Nigeria. And how I actually found Ruby Night was in 20, that 2020 or 2021, I had just graduated from uni. And when we were in school, my circle of friends, we used to read books. So we just used to buy books from people that used to sell books at front of the school or maybe anywhere I go, but not like a bookstore, actually. So I used to be very excited in reading books because I realized that it would allow me to contribute meaningfully to conversations and people think I have sense. But yes, technically. <laughs> so I was always, you know, doing all of that. When I came back to Lagos, I needed to keep up the book culture. So I started searching and all of that. And I saw Roving site and that was how I I was able to like start buying books from you guys. So I'm really interested in knowing how this started because it's not, it's a really niched business, really, really niched one. So how did we start? Interesting question. Um, success. So the story behind Ruby Nights is a very um interesting one and um i would say that um when the whole idea started in in 2015 it was of course i definitely knew that i would i wanted to do it for the long term like it was something that was going to stand the true test of time and um of course they also stand from a place of passion as well and so I think that passion carried the business on for those early years. Um, so I will trust the journey of how Ruby Night starts from my own perspective to 2015, which was when um, I, I just wrapped up my NYSE program at IFE in Ocean State, and I had to move back to Lagos. Um, did a couple of internships and... Um, I also had a chance to work with a startup then that wasn't giving me the kind of excitement that I wanted in the sense that I had always been starry high, super ambitious. And God, maybe now things are slightly different. I don't know what is obtainable currently. Sorry, I digress. But if oftentimes when people graduate, then the idea of success of you know making it in life is for you to get maybe like a job with like one of the big four and then you're going from wherever you're staying in Lagos to working at Victoria Island and then you have like a fantastic life there and all and so that was the kind of life I sort of like envisaged for myself returning to Lagos after you know my NYC in Abu in Ilefe Ocean State. However, um, that wasn't to be because, I mean, life was life for me then. Let me just put it that way. I was serious <laughs> like jobs in some of the big companies or big brands that I would love to be affiliated with. And I was so keen to build a career in human resource. And none of that was taking shape or form. And 
was at that moment that I decided that I needed to take a break. Like, I'm tired, I'm done. And then took that break and felt like if I take another three to four months to like sit back, immerse myself in the books that were available at my disposal then in my um, house then where I was staying in Shomolu, Lagos, then perhaps something will rub off on me. And the process of doing that, I, I also, that moment of, you know, break gave me the opportunity to go back to something that was a key part of my childhood, which is reading. And, you know, <laughs> there's a thing people say, when you meet people that really love to read, most of them would always trace that love to maybe their childhood. Like, oh, this was a habit that I built when I was younger. And mm-hmm. then you become an adult and the responsibility of being an adult takes that. So it leaves you with very little time to, you know, indulge. And so that was me in 2015. And I felt like that free time was there. And then started to do a bit of research to catch up on, oh, so what's happening in the literary scene? What's the latest book? And I was shocked to find some really exciting things happening. Was reading up quite a couple of reviews online on platforms like Guardian, The New Yorker, and on. And then it got to the point where I was so intrigued by many of those reviews, and I wanted to buy those books or really read the full book. And then I walked so into some of the major bookstores in Lagos. Then I know I, re- I remember going to Terra Culture and. Unfortunately, they didn't have many of those titles that I was asking for. And they were like, oh, they brought out this very huge register for me to fill. Mm. Like, oh, I read that book in if Paraventure, they maybe stock it later, they will probably get in touch with me, which I did. But going through that register, I also found out that there were a couple of other people like me that had been coming to have some similar kind of books as well. And so that kind of piqued my interest and I realized that, well, at the horse, what's what will it take to, you know, make those books available here in Nigeria? Because that was sort of like, looking back, that was kind of sort of like the market validation that I needed to realize that oh, there's actually a gap. There's a problem here. There's a demand for something, but there's no supply to be able to meet that demand. And if you were either not an avid, a, a, a traveler, in, this was in 2015, or someone who had relatives or people that come in to name travel overseas and bring in books for you was typically always very hard for you to access some of these new books that are available internationally. So I remember reaching out to my brother then who wasn't based in Nigeria and was like, oh, this is what I found. Um, I think it might be worthwhile to explore this. Interesting part then was that um, before my brother moved out of the country then in 2000, early 2010, 2011, he used to be the, at the forefront of like a literary movement in Nigeria, in Lagos then. He used to have this monthly book club called Pop Faction Book Club. And beyond just using that book club as a platform to encourage conversations between literary authors and you know, young people in Lagos then, he also used to help sell or distribute a couple of books there, but the business kind of like folded up at some point. And in 2015, when I was buzzing with some of the exciting ideas around, okay, so what these are the things that I think we can explore to bring this back. He was happy to jump on, come on board and provide a much needed finance to bring my idea to life. So um, to simply answer your question, 
uh, I would say a combination of um, boredom and this yearning for something more and also a case of opportunity and chance, you know, meeting was what actually, you know, came together to birth Ruby Night in 2015. At least the Ruby Night, everybody have come to know that. We started from a dining somewhere in the house in Shumulu that was staying then. And then seven, six years down the lane, it's evolved into like four brick and mortar stores and counting and a couple of warehouses and, you know, office spaces across different parts of Lagos. So, yeah, I hope that answers the question. Of course, yes, like it answers my question. And I like the fact that you actually went in depth into sharing. And when you had mentioned the dream job at the beginning part, I could really relate because I think for me, when I when I graduated from uni, I don't think I had I had anything I wanted to do, Sham. But I knew some of the conversations we we normally used to have was that oh, we'll come come to Lagos, we'll have this you no know, beautiful nine to five. They'll give us a lot of benefits as young graduates, and life happened. <laughs> so I could really relate to when you had said that. Why I, I think the beautiful part of your of your story is the fact that you were able to connect back to something that you really like. So, and you were really inquisitive and you started making research. So it's one thing to have like a passion or know what you like. And it's another thing to actually make research about that. So it was doing those research that I could see you were able to say, oh, there's actually like a challenge here. And I have a solution to the problem that people are currently facing in Nigeria. And I would want to solve that. And I've seen... I've seen people that said, oh, I'm doing this because I've seen Proving Nights do that. I've seen other bookstores that have like evolved, you know, from you guys starting and people just going into different niched markets because it's really niched. I can't, I can't count how many people that I know that actually like reads. So just, just like give that overview of seeing how many people really buy books and then you, you've been able to act that. So that's, I think that's really nice. So you, you talked about, um, Ruby and I starting from like dining room in your house in Shomolu then. So I'm really interested in knowing how you were able to fi finance this. Did you like, I know you had mentioned about um, your, your, your brother also like jumping on, your elder brother also jumping on the idea. Was there anything of you guys raising funds? Is this in Nigeria, this startup board raising funds and all of that? Was that a thing then? Or it was just you just growing up the marketing portfolio and everything through word of mouth. I'm just interested in how you're able to like finance this because financing businesses is a huge, is a huge thing. Yeah. So how are you able to like grow that from point A to like point B? Yeah, that's a very good question. And I will say that I love that question so much because no one has ever bothered to ask, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, oftentimes a lot of people just assume, yeah, the business is there. Nobody wants to know, okay, so what, what are the numbers? What's like the financial side of things like? So it's a very good question. So for me, I, I would say that um, the bulk of the business of, of Ruby Nights is actually running by bootstrapping. Yeah. And um, unlike um, the, this age and time and this, current word of check where people can do series of fundraising. 
where you can have like a perceived worries and um, all of that. Um, because like you rightly mentioned, it's sort of like a niche market, a niche business that we run. Um, we've not had that privilege. And so perhaps if it was like an heavily, a tech-heavy business, perhaps we probably have benefited from some, a couple of, you know, fundraising. But I would say that Ruby Knight had been fully self-funded and, you know, done mostly through bootstrapping. And the reasons for this are perhaps obvious. First, um, a lot of people would say that other options for fundraising that might be worth exploring for a business like this would be maybe applying for grants and connecting it with like the um, sustainability goals or impacts that the business potentially can make but so far it's been too bootstrapping um i think at some point as well we also did a couple of um um, applied for a couple of loans and credit facilities and a couple of banks in nigeria but we're not so that wasn't such an intense, you know, effort that we made. It was just something that we just wanted to augment, you know, funding on the side. Um, and in terms of finance as well, I, I know that for you to actually run a sustainable business, especially in a place like Nigeria, you definitely need money. Um, in Europe, there's something they say that we own the king in area. I mean, the world out there is flooded with exciting ideas and you definitely need money to bring them to life. And so, yeah, the, the financial support that I had, that we had gotten, at, that we received in those early days, with my brother being able to you know, finance the idea as well, helped a great deal. I think what also made a difference, of course, was the capacity to be able to start small and also evolve and scale gradually. So, um, I, I knew that it was a long game, a long-term game. It wasn't just something you just wanted to do at Ajawi. Maybe if I was the daughter of Ote Dola or something, or that would be <laughs> happen faster. But um, if you're playing the long game, then the capacity to be able to scale in phases, scale gradually also helps a great deal. I also feel that um, you can actually enjoy some measure of um, goodwill, which would also translate in some form of, you know, capital for the business that is also very, very important for it. So what do I mean? A lot of times people just talk about, you know, capital in terms of finance, but there's also social capital that is quite important for you to also grow a business. And so um, I think that was also something we had cracked very early. I know um, one of the factors that also helped to build that social capital for the brand was, of course, um, making everybody that ever shopped with us feel like they genuinely matter. So I know in 2015, I think to I like, felt that. yeah, I, that as well. I think from like 2015 to like 2018, I was usually in the DM on Instagram. Um, I was literally available or accessible across most of the major channels for shopping or you know sales at the business and there was something very peculiar about the customer experience we were keen to give everybody that shopped with us and even so now i, I think the brand manages to you know sustain that surely we walk into any of our store it's that personalized touch 
is that extra effort that you put into the way you package every item that, you know, every book or item that people buy from you night that, you know, also helped us, you know, build that social capital that had helped the business, you know, evolve and stand the test of time. So, yeah. Excuse me. I hope that really answers the question. Yes, yes, it does. It really answered my question. Uh, I like how you were able to like explain everything because finance is like a very you know important aspect in the business and how you know the um the organization has been able to you know progress from from that time till now and how you mentioned starting small. So now most times is one thing to actually start the business and it's another thing to like give yourself the capacity or like the allowance to say oh i want to build this kind of business but i would like to start from this point and see how i'll be able to progress over the years and how you've been emphasizing since the beginning of this episode that you knew you were in for the long-term game and so you were not just in because you just wanted to test out your passion or something but because you knew you were in for the long-term game and also realizing that you could use instagram to sell when instagram was not the instagram it is now that's I mean <laughs> now you how you think really. <laughs> uh I mean it's it's quite interesting. I think Robin Heights is currently about 60k strong plus 60k thousand plus followers right now. And it just takes me back to the early days when there was a time where actually stock at 180 followers or 192 it was just one very weird number like that. Wow. And, I used to keep sleepless nights like, like in those days because again and then there were always one platform online that we do that you can always check that we share one thing or the other I mean now you have so many Instagram marketers or social media managers or exactly. coaches or follow that we share all these tips and hacks but back then in 2015 it wasn't it wasn't like that you probably have to go on Google search and see any top 10 or top seven hacks or tips to grow your followers on Instagram. And then you check those out. I think it was one of those times I did those research and I found out that, oh, you can actually use hashtags to um, see the people that would fall within your ideal market or your ideal audience. And that was how I found out about hashtag bookstagrammers. So bookstagrammers uh, is like an hashtag on Instagram now that is quite popular. But in those days, I think Instagramers used to just have like, that hashtag was only used maybe less than 10,000 times or something. And I remember some of the early followers of Rubin Heights, I actually connected with them using that particular hashtag. And there were some of them that, you know, I, I went on to build personal relationship with like friendship. There's still one of my friends then. I remember I was chatting with him at like 2 a.m., 3 a.m. <laughs> In 2015, 2016, and I found out that I found out about his page because he also was running like a book review website or blog then. And so, in order to drive traffic to his home blog, he used to post on. He had an Instagram page, and then you know it, it was just a very dynamic space then. And yeah, time has changed. I honestly feel that you know content creators there was. Content creation wasn't even like a term then in 2015. I don't, th I, I don't think it was. I think that started like 2017, 19-ish. <laughs> I don't think it was. So then it was a 
all and I was also very keen to build the audience organically because it's a niche market of what uses having like a huge number of people following you and they can't actually translate into sales or you know interact or engage with your content. So if maybe it was like a food business, fashion or something that was more of an es- essential, perhaps I could have more options or strategies available to you know play around with but then it was it wasn't like that and yeah it looks as if the business has you know our social media page has actually evolved over the years i remember i still have a post on my phone my archive when we clocked 2000 followers (laughs) such a big stone for me then and you know i did a post about it then and yeah Interesting time. Uh, yeah, thank you for taking me down the lane. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't even know. I think maybe it's also as a result of my excitement and just me just saying, you know what, I really want every time I'm only saying, I really want to speak to the founder of Province and I really want to know what was in their heads. And I think it was at the time when I had ordered for this book by Sarah Jakes Robert. Um I'm, I'm a fan. This is a recent book called Woman Involved. So I was now looking at, I'd messaged some Instagram vendors at the time and asked them, do you have this book? They were like, oh no, the book is not here in Nigeria and stuff like that. And I had messaged, I remember I got a book from over inside. I've forgotten the title, I think Will, that's book by Will Smith. And then I asked, do you guys have this book? They were like, oh no, we don't have this book, but we can be able to, we can source it for you. <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, you can source what? <laughs> Am I going to give you my money and you can run away? <laughs> But the first thing I get my mind, I was like, no. And I looked at the followers. I'm like, if I'm not going to buy my money, I think I, I paid. Thankfully, I'm glad I did because that money would have gone. So I paid. And maybe after a few days, I can't remember the length I waited. And the book came to me and I was able to have that book. So it was just really nice hearing everything. And I was just really intrigued. When you had, when you had mentioned um, you make customers feel like they're a part of the brand. I think I think that's that's really true. So I don't know maybe you, maybe have something that you guys would have put in the organization structure or stuff like saying oh make make each customer feel special, make them feel seen regardless of what you know they are doing. Because for me, I I found that really nice that you guys took your time to just you know ensure that I get my book at the appropriate time. And of course, I didn't use the money for something else, so the book is in my house. So I think that's that's something that's really nice. So we've talked about how Revis I started, you know, you just launching out, being intentional, the finance aspect of things, and also you leveraging Instagram when it was not even the Instagram that we have now. But right now, I'm curious to the first moments, you know, the the times where you you employed the first person that became a part of the organization, when you guys had your first outlet, you know, launching out. Expansion. Like I'm just interested in like in the expansion moment. How did you feel in those seasons? Did you ever say to yourself, "I'm like, oh my god, is this really happening?" and all of all that. So I just, you know, I'm really interested in the expansion moment of things and how all of that happened for you. Did it happen at once, or was it like a gradual process? So I'll start with the first part of the question, which was, which is around like the early moments and you know the first uh, major milestones. Um, as a business, so <laughs> shout out to Osni Aldo. That's 
the first person that took a chance on me and my very hot dream then. So I met Tosin sometime in August 2015 through um, my sister-in-law. Yeah. So um, we used to worship in the same church. This, uh, but I never knew her, but I think she was a member of our cell fellowship. And Tosin was just fresh out of secondary school. And I think she was awaiting admission. And then everybody around me, the Shania was at the pole. So so you know something that I had mentioned that wouldn't be a bad idea to, you know, have someone support me on the side with what I was doing because I was sort of like the only person that was doing literally everything. You know, when they say you are the chief everything officer. <laughs> yes. You may test them because it was still very, very small. Mm-hmm. Maybe my routine there was perhaps around the taking a tour across the major bookstores that we were supplying books to then. And when I mean supply, it wasn't like large quantity. It was just like a few titles that were niche and we can't find everywhere else that we're just supplying them to make it translate into sales faster. And of course, the other bit of the business then was also managing the e-commerce platforms that we had storefronts on there. So... This was 2015. Building a website was such a luxury. And even when you <laughs> build the website, you also want to think around how do you drive traffic there and all. And then remember what I said about the place of, you know, starting small and you know, scaling gradually. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, aside from, you know, supplying books to those bookstores, the other major operation was around, you know, filling orders to all the e-commerce platform. I think we had a platform, a stock run to Honga and Junior then. And then maybe a couple of other others that might tree cooling from Instagram or maybe WhatsApp. Yeah, there was already WhatsApp. So I just invited Tosi over for a chart and then she was really calm. I still remember that. Tosi was with Ruby Night too, I think. 2020 or was it 2021 before she exits and um, before she left the business but um she was one of the best decisions that i made that i remember then when she walked in and i was just like this is so funny because at that point if i was perhaps playing i thought that oh, this was just child play which i knew wasn't but you know what all you i was just doing there was okay putting one step in front of the other and it's open and seeing how it goes well, of course, I think that the need to build structure was exciting. There were people that was connecting with, and beyond just you know being able to make profits, there was also that sense of fulfillment for me. Then, um, because I was able to connect with other people that were equally excited about books, and so you see me in the DM chatting with people. Even though I'm taking orders, I'm also asking questions. I'm trying to find out. Oh, so what really intrigues you about? What kind of genre do you like to read? And then I'll have like lengthy and prolonged conversation with people in their DM where we're just chatting about you know books, case setters, titles, and what used to you know inform you know early literature in those early days. And so again, those were like the foundation of the business, and then. People would always leave most of the conversation or, you know, the sales process then with something extra, I would say, because I was willing to connect with them at a high level. And it was, you could almost tell that it was just beyond just service for this person. It was 
also the fact that one more person is connecting with something they love or you know, force. So Tussi then came and at some point I had cold feet with, you know, how was I going to be able to pay salary at the end of the month? I was like, all oh, my social this is going to work. I don't know that, but I think having our board was also the much needed, you know, motivation that I needed to keep going because I knew that someone else was banking on me. And oh. I, I, I think it worked. And she was also equally excited about the idea. She was, I know one of my first questions we had during the pseudo interview we had then was like, do you like reading? And she was ah, yes, she does. And she, I think she was telling me about some of the books she used to read then and all of that. And so it was also super hardworking. She became like my foot soldier, went around to always willing to go above and beyond. And then after to say, a couple of months after I got Sumi on board and, you know, the team began to grow from there. And I, I also feel that one of the success ingredients or some, one of the things that I've helped Rubin Heights, you know, evolve and grow really fast is the gifts of people and amazing people that have had us to come on board and join us, especially during the formative years of the business. I know that it takes a lot to run a, a niche company or a niche business because it wasn't just about profit. It was also about the passion and the excitement. There's no way you want to work with a bookstore and you really like books. So that used to be like the major, major factor. And so that even kind of like streamlined the kind of people that you want to, that you can hire or, or get on board. Sure. You know? And so... For most people that have worked with Ubinites, I'm so thankful, so privileged to have gotten some of the finest and, you know, genuinely kind people to join us on board and bringing that dream to life. And um, there were moments when we've actually gotten it wrong in terms of hiring the wrong hands and all of that. But for the most part, we've been lucky enough to have some of the most committed and, you know, dedicated people you know, jump on board. You know, when they say people are dream catchers or, you know, yeah. I would love to describe almost everybody that I've ever passed through every night as that. And I also feel that leadership is also something that helps set the tone for that. Like, um, it's about how you even portray yourself as the person who is driving the business. And so your virtues, your character, the your essays are those things that would, you know, also, you know, help people. Are those things that people will see? It's not even about what you're seeing that will help them connect with the dream, connect with the vision, basically. So, yeah, I, I think that's about, you know, the first star. For every other milestone, it was, it was great, I, I would say. There were some of them that I, funny enough, wasn't privileged to experience firsthand because I guess I've always been about this or more than just one thing lifestyle. Um, I believe that, you know, I, I, I think for me, it's always been this drive to not necessarily be insatiable. I, I just always feel like, okay, then what's the next big thing to do? What's that next, you know, milestone to crack? And so, Oftentimes, it's something I'm still working on. I don't allow, I don't immerse myself in that, in those moments as much as I should. And then it's just like, oh yeah, 
done, 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 on to the next one, basically. <laughs> you know, but for every of those milestones, it's one that for sure, I would say is characterized by utmost level of gratitude. I'm always immensely grateful for that privilege. And you um, also always just take me back to those early moments and fills my heart with such humility, like, wow, um, see how something small has, you know, evolved and grown so, so big. And I also believe very strongly that many of these things would have happened if I didn't embrace collaboration early or believe very much in partnership because I, I believe that um, 10% of um of android how do i put this how do i describe this small bit really so when you hold 10 percent of 100 million than 100 percent of 1000 you're better off i don't know if that makes sense so here's what i'm trying to describe when you collaborate and when you believe very much when you allow room for partnership it allows you to go faster. And there's also the saying that if you want to, um, you know, go far or go fast, like let people in, do, don't do it alone, you know. And so I'm grateful for the support that I've always enjoyed right from the one from my brother and, you know, every other person that has also become a part of this particular venture. And so I never take credit or glory for it as my own soul thing. In fact, it's more than just me now. It's taking a life of its own. And I think it's just humility and gratitude for me when I look back at it. Yeah, thank God I took this early step. I took a chance on that idea then that you know came to mind to adopt the strategy that made Drove Night become what it is today. And yeah. And then I also feel that beyond just Rubinite, also empowering other young people or other business people to venture into, you know, book retail as a business is also good. It's also very, very gratifying for me because I know there were so many people that would tell me that I went on to meet on the journey. I would say that, oh, I know there was, there's a particular bookstore that I is thriving right now that mentioned that encountered the founder in those early days when I used to sell books on tables across events in Lagos then and she <laughs> was just randomly seeing me there that really inspired her to take a chance on starting her own bookstore and I'm like wow that's something that's amazing and yeah it's been good so far mm. that's so nice I'm like Oh, that's really, really nice. Like hearing, hearing your journey and the milestones, especially the point you had mentioned where you had your first hire. <laughs> and it's so, it's, it's, it's so good to see now because now the organization is the one that, you know, push out and say, oh, yeah. I remember the last time I saw an advert on you guys hiring someone. You guys were looking for front desk person social media manager and stuff like that like multiple positions like it wasn't just one <laughs> they were like more than three at the time so it was so beautiful to actually see how how far this organization has grown and i like the fact that you highlighted the point of collaboration you know working with people you had also mentioned deep connections 
beyond just people buying from you or ensuring that you actually build a relationship with people that people that find um roving side are people that actually you know love reading books or people that are genuinely interested in improving their knowledge or their information or just something that will help them boost that hobby of theirs so it was really really good to see how you walked through everything based on intention and also knowing that this would actually work. So even in the times that you had mentioned that you were scared about paying um, your first uh, salary, you knew it was still going to work at that particular point in time. So yeah, thank you so much for sharing. I'm so excited to have been listening to all of all these backstories. It's like, I just got first-hand experience. <laughs> Hearing from you, so I'm just gonna tell everyone. So if you have any idea, go and launch your idea. You don't know, you don't know if it's actually going to be something big. So just start small. Have the courage to start small, and then do um everything that you want to do. I'm doing your your um your answer. You talked about you not being the one person kind of thing, and that there were some milestones that you didn't um experience. So how did you transition? So there's this thing, even as a young person that we always face is, what's the next thing for me? At what point did you start realizing that I would want to explore other areas? I don't want to be tied to just being part of Roving's eyes. I want to explore other things that I like or other aspects of me, like being a marketing professional, like you had mentioned that during your introduction, um, having a PR book, which is Book Lady NG. And so... And just all of all these other expressions that you have, at what point did you know that I need to move from this particular level? Yeah. Um, thank you for that question, success. Um, I, I would say that um, the drive to be ambitious or to, be, to always be more than just one thing stems from my childhood and... Um, the kind of upbringing that I had. And I would say that some of the people that actually shaped that drive were first my mom, my parents actually, my mom and my dad, and then my siblings as well, but mostly my parents. And I would say it's not in, it's in the little things. It's not in those moments. And I don't recall any moments where my parents had to sit me down and say, oh, you you have to be more than, you know, this aspire to my moments that, you know, we're so familiar with right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you live with parents that actually model certain things for standards, you kind of absorb them. It's like a, an osmosis process. Like you're just um, absorbing those moments in like a sponge. And then those moments sort of like went on to now begin to find full expression in my adulthood. So um, I mentioned earlier, my parents were both teachers. And um, one thing I knew for sure then for them um, was that raising three kids was, didn't come easy. Mm. In the sense that um, they wanted the best for us. And many of those things had to come along with sacrifices. I know that my Parents didn't want us to lack, and so they always went above and beyond, for sure. My dad, like I mentioned earlier, aside from him being a primary school teacher, also had a couple of other businesses that I was doing on the side. 
I remember as a teenager then that beyond just um, my dad's nine to five, it wasn't even nine to five then, it was probably 8 a.m. to two or max 3 p.m. Hmm. Teacher. He also had this slap side gig he used to do then where he used to sell dossier. I don't even know what dossier is. It's popularly known as report cards. And so mm-hmm. like where people have to fill in their first, second, third term and all of that. So it was sort of like a supplier of that across some major primary schools in Lagos. And um, was making quite a decent profit of that. And I know most of the time, whenever he comes to pick me up from school, or I, I always have to wait for him somewhere or sit down with, at the printing press where he used to print those, those here in book then. And, you know, all of those things I just saw. Wasn't as if you told me that oh, this was well. I just had to deduce or put those two and two together, and it made sense. Um, no, back then there was no fancy word to describe some of these things. That like now, it makes sense thinking about it. people who use words like "oh, my side also, my side gay." But my dad, growing up, I don't think that word existed there. And my dad then had quite a number of side hustles. He used to do legitimate ways that he made money, even as a man. And then for my mom too, my mom also was quite enterprising. Um, I, I, I honestly feel that all of those things rubbed off and my parents were just never one thing. And I guess it was also because of the immense, immense responsibility they had to take up. And um, beyond that as well, even as a student in university, I wasn't just a student. <laughs> Yeah, I think for most part of my life, I've also always done more than just one thing. It's really then, uh, aside from being um, studying my four-year course in English, I was also like a campus journalist. I was vice president of a, a productive health club in OAU. Then I had so many things that I was always doing. And then I was also exploring entrepreneurship then even though i didn't it wasn't something it wasn't fancy at all then i just saw that it was a gap or a problem and i wanted to feel it then um a short story was that in my hostel then in ife the butchery where butchery is what they call that place where you buy small groceries in the hostel so when i go there the people that tend to us then were the most grumpy they always made it seem as if they were doing us a favor you know, and I just always hated those moments. I dislike those moments when I have to interact with them. And so I think for ease, I used to sell a few basic stuff that students would always need access to, like pure water. And it wasn't because I needed the money as such. I mean, by then, I mentioned I'm the last one. I had siblings that were already working. So beyond just my pocket money coming from my parents, my siblings are also always you know steady funding my account but then it was just the fact that i was solving a problem stopping people from that were staying on maybe the third floor from going all the way down to shop beyond that as well i think i sold eggs because students want to eat indomie a lot then and then you know and beyond that as well i was also having eyebrows yeah that was a thing then i remember i watched a couple of youtube videos this was in 20 2009, 2010, yeah. I'd watch a couple of videos on YouTube and I just used to know how to get that perfect hack. And people would see it on my face and I'd be like, yo, eyebrows are so pretty. And I'd be like, can I actually replicate it for you? And then he got into a business, made posters with just markers and pasted it across all the notes. 
then yeah so that was me <laughs> so i've always been enterprising as well and so when Ravi night began I, I i knew that i was young i was 22 yeah i think i was 22 then and it was a case of there's still so much ahead of you mm. and but I decided to just stay back and not even explore corporates and what it's like to work with a corporate organization. I would probably have still been fine, but I just knew that, you know, I would always wonder what is at the other side for me. And so what I did then was to still keep pushing, hoping that at least all of those job CVs and job applications I was putting out there, hopefully something was going to come up. And as faithful habits, one eventually did. And then I went on to start off a career in marketing and then later on communications. And yeah, I also feel that I'm one person that gets restless as well. There are times when I'm just like, okay, so what's next? What's new? And so it's always been that, I've always been about that life mostly. So a lot of people always feel maybe it's some lack of focus but i always feel that it's the struggle or the pain of the multi-potentialite someone who can do so many things and so why not you've got the vast potential for it like go for it like explore and make sure you die empty and you don't look back and keep wondering what would have been like if i i never explored the opportunities available to me as a career person or a professional and then yeah, yeah, and if you're also someone bustling with ideas or business ideas, explore that by all means as well. Contribute to building other people's dream while you're also building yours as well. So I'm a major, major advocate of that. So, yeah. And there was a time people, to be honest, I, I think in my mid-20s, I kind of like struggled because the pressure was becoming so much that I needed to pick a side. So I remember then I had gone on to start working with Guarantee Trust Bank with their corporate communication team. And Rovinite was also still evolving. And I used to share my time between GT and Rovinite then. So Rovinite was something I did from 5 p.m. No, traffic back home from 10 p.m. to maybe, you know, trying to catch up with what the team had been up to. And then at um over my during the weekend as well was the moment when I got to give Rovina my full time. And it was also becoming a case of oh, you need to pick, you need to choose a side and all of that. I also always knew when it was time to step back or to you know take breaks in between my career. Uh, I know for in 2019 I stepped back from you know a night to five and decided to focus on movie night for another one, two years. And in between those moments, I've also, of course, enjoyed the support of my co-founders who were always on the side to, you know, take on things that I was not able to. And also when I talk about, you know, being not being there for some of the milestones, yeah, it is real because um, certain things always have to take precedence for time and for instance, it was when I was pursuing an MBA in the UK that um, our third and fourth store opened in Abuja. Sorry, oh. in Lagos and Abuja. When the one at Landmark was the third one and the fourth one is Abuja Garaki. I wasn't there present. I only got a chance to catch up on everything happening virtually, be a part of some of the strategy and decision making online. 
And I mean, the whole form fair around lunch, I couldn't be present because I had other commitments and things that I needed to, you know, do. So yeah, those sacrifices though were not the easiest, but I think eventually they pay off. Um, they paid. Yeah. So again, don't let anybody make you feel as if there's something wrong with you if you're multi-potentialite. If you, are, you do it all by home means go for it and you've got the energy, the zest and the grace to be able to, you know, best something. I think it's worth seeing it through. Mm. And if you don't eventually succeed, right? It's you would be able to beat your chest and have that sense of satisfaction that yes. I gave this a shot. I tried and it didn't work. Then for you not to make any attempt at all. Yeah. Wow. So many gems from everything that you shared. I like I, I enjoyed the point that you had that you had talked about you just understanding that you just need to test out everything that you actually really like. And the, your closing aspect where you said, by all means, just go for it. Try out your ideas. It's best for you to know that you tried these things and they didn't work than for you to not do them at all and live a life of regret. And I, I think I've also been, I've also, I've also experienced that, which is why I'm also a firm believer of if you have any idea that you really, really like, just try it out because living in regret is a painful and annoying place to actually be in. And I do not wish anyone to be in that space because you will be like, Oh, hi, I wish I would have done this. Maybe my life would have been better. Oh, maybe, maybe I'm glad I didn't do it. I'm, I'm happy about where I am now. So you'll just be in that confused state because you never really, you know, launched out or tested out the waters to see if what you wanted to do, you know, would have actually like come to pass or something. So yeah, that was really nice for you sharing all your experiences and also you highlighting the importance of knowing when to step back and when to, you know, come up and say, oh, I would actually want to do this. So this, those are like the highlighting moments and parts for me. So right now, you had mentioned that you are a marketing and communications professional. So was it your time at Ruby like that kind of like prompted that because you had mentioned you studied English in, in, at the university. So I'm like curious to how did that start? And also being the fact that you also have like a PR a marketing agency for, for books, right? So how did that how did that transition you know happen and what are some of the tips or lessons that you've actually gotten from that journey? You're still on the journey from this journey. <laughs> yes, it's I'm a work in progress. I, I think it's worthwhile to mention that. Um so poems started from a place of um I won't say I stumbled on this, but I knew in uni. I used to um, be a campus journalist, like I mentioned. And of course, everybody, there was that question around English. Ah, once you study English, you can do, you can do anything. Like, you know, that's what people say. Like, you do English, you can get it. It was just so annoying. Because of, like, that doesn't make that career choice, you know, an easy decision anyways. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think that um, IFE allowed me to explore so many things. 
And then NYS, post NYS as well, was also enough time for me to test different things and begin to find out, okay, so where does my heart lies and, you know, what are the options available for me out there? Um, immediately after finishing at OUD, next available thing off the top of my head was HR. Yes, I don't want to be a journalist. <laughs> like, journalist, I know this doesn't appeal to me. I don't think it's something I would carry apart. I wanted to build, you know, that was the thought then. But the first place I got to intern after NYSD, internship, by the way, wasn't something I was keen to do then. Because before NYSA, I had been an intern with an HR company and I, I felt like the best um, internship wasn't something I should be doing post NYSA. I should get a real job and everything. But I felt it would have been, I went on to intern with a publishing, um, a news agency. Let me just put it that way. And they still exist now. I'm sure you know Ventures Africa. If you don't, you can also check them out online. So Ventures Africa is like a Pan-African business um, platform that used to report solely business news and, you know, business stories across the continent. And so that was why I interned and was writing. And I hated it then because I felt like, oh, this writing thing that I'm trying to avoid, even though I used to do it, I enjoy it, like journalism, journalistic writing and everything, but it wasn't something I was so keen to make a life for, you know career out of so ventures happened and adventures africa then i made some very meaningful connection with people um there were friends that i made that i still served me to now i know um the second place that i ever got a chance to really work was based on the recommendation i refer i got from one of my friends and colleagues back then at ventures africa and so comms became something that was worth exploring when I got my first job at Philips Consulting and I was like a product marketer, a product marketing manager for an e-learning platform. And the bulk of the options that were available for me to explore for marketing that platform were solely online. So I couldn't do offline marketing for a digital product. And so I began to discover the old um, length and breadth of digital marketing, email marketing, and communication was also a skill that I needed to be able to function in those areas. So yeah, that was where I first got my teeth in communication as a career path. And then went on to GT Bank, where I was um, a content marketing writer. And also, yeah, I was basically like an in-house writer for the corporate communication team. Then got on so many exciting projects. GT Bank, Food and Drink, Fashion Weekend were major stuff that I got a chance to work with, with the team back then. And so, yeah, those I, I found out that as much as journalism, thinking about it now, as, as much as I felt like writing was something I uh, was trying to avoid, but I, I realized that there was a more, what was the word now? Should I say posh side of it that could serve a corporate need? And that was where communication as a profession came to fore. And then a lot of trainings as well here and there. And I also helped me a great deal. And then beyond that as well, I, I, I honestly believe that comms is not something that, you know, is in the doing. Fine, you study it, but it is over time when you begin to do it, and you, you manage to work with excellent people that are keen to help you develop your skill and you're giving to, you know, feedback and you know imbibing those feedback and getting better and better over time 
And then there's also a place of, of course, formal knowledge and then going ahead to, you know, pursue like a master's degree. Although my master's degree was sort of like a generalist one in terms of the fact that it's an MBA. But um, the bulk of the modules that we did that used to intrigue me then was around marketing. And for most of the presentations and projects we had to do then, I was always drafted towards the communication and marketing side of things. And so that also allowed me the opportunity to explore that a great deal as well. So, um, yeah, so that was basically how comms started as a thing for me. And then um, PR and the book lady as an agency began to serve a major, major need at I think that was in 2019, 2020. That was at the time when Book Lady started because I realized that there was a major problem as a um, major problem, especially when it comes to you know publishing and authors, especially for self-published authors. So in Nigeria, it's hard for you to... There were no existing agencies that were solely focused on publishing or books. And that was a big, big problem. Because most agencies were either focused on FMCGs or other brands that have big projects. But when it comes to publishing, because of the margins on books, people hardly see it as something worthwhile to explore. And then, of course, the book industry in Nigeria is still evolving. It's not the same thing as what's obtainable in developed countries like Europe, UK, or America, and all of that. And so that gap exists, and people were always coming back to complain about also. At Ruby Nights, we take people's book on our shelf, especially for locally published authors. So beyond just selling books that were available internationally or internationally published, we also try to promote our Nigerian authors as well. And many of those books were just on our shelves for months, even years, and people hardly buy them. And some of them are fantastic content, but people never know because, again, some people judge books by their cover, or the words on the street are not sufficient enough to attract bias to them. And so most authors or creative people are stuck up in the creative process and do understand that there's a business side of books. There's a way to sell them. There's a way to make it appeal, you know, to people. And like every other product, you need to market it for you to do the numbers. And so once I identified that problem and I began to leverage my experience on my career side as a comes and marketing person saw the needs that I saw that there was an intersection and felt that there was definitely an opportunity to you know serve that market. And since then it's been an interesting journey. It's evolved over time and it's grown in leaps and bounds. So yeah, it's also one passion project or one business that I'm very much passionate about. So yeah. The book market in Nigeria is currently evolving, and obviously, we still judge books by the cover. Well, it's something that we will try and work on. Especially, I, I also think maybe it would also be the way they actually market them. But I think in the past two years, there's a particular book that caught my attention. I've not read it yet. I think it's All Men in Lagos are Mad, or so something like that. Yeah, yeah All the Men in Lagos are Mad. Yeah, I think the Nigerian author that actually wrote it. So I think uh, the book industry is definitely um, evolving, like you had mentioned. So yeah, thank you so much, um, Toby, for sharing all of all this. And it's really nice to see that your answers are really in-depth. And, you know, you are just like pouring out yourself and saying, oh, I did not just come here. <laughs> there were like 
so many layers as to everything that has happened and you just give and just and just you know poured out yourself so i want to ask there's this particular questions that young question that young people are actually you know, curious to know which is place of mentorship place of guidance i know you have talked about the importance of having people around you you know talked about collaboration but i really want you to share some things around relationships and maintaining them because i also think it's also directly related to you know mentorship guidance and also relating to you being an entrepreneur having a nine to five and all of all these different aspects that you have so have you been able to manage this this particular aspect in your life and how do you think young people can also like leverage that to become you know better versions of themselves okay um so the first part of the question around mentorship uh, i would say that it's very very vital it helps a great deal when you have somebody to look up to or someone that can actually hold you by the hand and you're sort of like accountable to and i strongly believe that mentor mentoring can be two ways no three ways actually so i believe very much in um so vertical mentoring. And when I say vertical, I mean from someone who is lower looking up to someone higher. I believe very strongly in horizontal mentoring, which is of course peer-to-peer mentoring, where you have people at the same level with you. There's so much lessons you can do, and there's so much that can happen when you hold each other by the hand. And then there's also reverse mentoring too, when you're up there and you have people who are younger that are also mentoring you. So for me, those are like the three aspects of mentoring that I think we should everyone should explore in their lifetime. So um, I have people across those different verticals that do that for me. Um, I know there were there are moments when I have to make very important decisions in my life that you know require me to be able to spotlight somebody that you know has helped me on that journey. And so I've got career mentors I've a couple of people that I rub mind with when it comes to you know the business front and in terms of the peer-to-peer mentoring bit, make sure that I surround myself with people of like minds, people that get what I want um, get it and are also on a purposeful journey. And um again, the key for me has always been being intentional. And when you're not passive about you know relationship, it helps a great deal. I think a well oiled um, relationship would help you, you know, a lot in life. And so a, a, most mentoring relationships are one that requires you to oil them. If you want them to serve you, like if they think that you are not servicing, there's no way you can take you from here to do. So if you have people that you supposedly call your mentor and you don't take him or them on a milestones you don't show up and you expect that out of the blues when you need them to perhaps write letter of recommendation or refer you for something mm. you don't have that of mind you know attention from them you know and then it goes the same way for every other kind of relationship and i honestly feel that um being thoughtful sometimes a lot of people treat isn't very little things so i i believe that love is a core of mentoring and so you take someone that you genuinely care about and you know for you to you know want to pass on and hold them by the hand and support them either as your peer or whichever um, perspective that relationship you know stems from and so um and love is not just the word it's actually an action 
it's an action word for me. So when you genuinely say, when you say you love people, you don't just say it, you actually show it. It's more of the showing than telling. And so there are people that, I mean, there are people that even though now it's categorized as very toxic that you're in a relationship with, maybe relationship with parents that don't tell you that they love you. Or back in those days, not like <laughs> but back in those days, it's hard for you to hear your dad or your mom. I mean, speaking from my perspective anyway, growing up, I don't remember my parents ever saying it to my face that, oh, I love you. Oh, no, well, <laughs> beyond just there were so many things in their actions or inaction that actually genuinely showed that they love and care about me and they really want the best for me. And so I'd rather choose the showing than telling, especially when it comes to relationship. It is important to affirm and verbally affirm your feelings and love for people anyways, but I also feel that the actions that you do support it when you show up for people, when even without them asking you, you go an extra mile to, you know, support them. It helps. So um, I think mentoring plays a very great role, basically, in helping one go far in life. And then the other part of your question around striking a balance between so many things, I, also, I must be honest enough to tell you that balance is a myth. Like, let's be honest. Like, mm. it, they are coming forward and saying that, oh, yes. I'm, I said that very, very closely. I'm not a superwoman. There are moments when, you know, I drop the ball and I'm only being human. There are, there are moments when, you know, the level of excitement or main, level of enthusiasm isn't equal across different fronts of my life or of who I am. But what I managed to do is to extend some measure of grace to myself. I try to be kind to myself and to you know, know when to take breaks in between and you know, know when to actually reach forth for strength, either from within, from God, or even from those people around me. Yeah, I, I honestly feel that, um, yeah, so when you have it at the back of your mind that, you know, perfection or, you know, balance is a myth, it helps you to be able to understand and accept your humanity. The fact that you're still, you're not superwoman, you're not superman. <laughs> so it's better to make progress than. That's you know, true. So for me, it's always progress over perfection. So, yeah. Amazing. That's, that's a very powerful, powerful answer. And how you were able to categorize the, categorize mentorship. Me, I'm a firm believer of get peer mentorship, actually. I learn a lot from my peers. So if there's anything I don't know, best believe I am going to ask questions and I'm not going to close my mouth because even the Bible they say those are asked, they're the ones that are going to receive. So if I now keep my mouth shut, how am I going to know? So I'm a very firm believer of peer to peer mentorship. And over the years, I've been trying to build this particular kind of relationship where I ask people that I really look up to some certain questions and try to just like keep in touch with them and yeah, how things are actually going for them. And also the fact that you said, if you don't hold your relationship, you're just going to die. <laughs> that was a very funny description, but but yeah, that's true. Even down to our own normal friendships, if you don't keep in touch, if you don't communicate, there'll be no way you'll be able to, you know, get in touch with everyone. So we've had like a very interesting conversation. I have learned a lot and 
you know, it's really nice, you know, talking to you. But there's no way I would invite you and I'm not going to ask what your favorite books are. Because I think, I, I don't know that <laughs> question. Like, how did I even mix it? Like, so what are your favorite books? And of course, you know, at the beginning, you had talked about when you went to a particular bookstore book and you found out that there were, there were other people like you that were like looking for books to actually buy and you were able to identify that, oh, this is like a niche, this is like a problem I need to solve. Why do you think it is important for young people to actually build their reading habits? I'm saying young people because major of my audience are like young people, obviously like me. <laughs> so um, what are your favorite books? And you can answer the part B of that, that question. Okay. Um, asking me what my favorite book is is for asking me to, asking a mother to choose a favorite child, you know. Um, um, okay, maybe like, you can just give recommendations. So don't pick. <laughs> okay. So maybe I'll just share my current read, which I was reading before I picked into Kidnap. I'm currently reading Small by Small by E.K. Anya. So that's the title of currently i'm reading this book aside from the fact that it's an exciting one it's um also reading it because i have to um moderate a book conversation with the author by next weekend but well, it's really an exciting book that i think everybody should read if you're someone who's looking for inspiration around you know medicine aside from medicine or any area aspect of your life at all then the story of the author it's actually a memoir will definitely intrigue you um beyond this book I, I think one of those books that i read in the early days of ruben heights that still i still remember for sure to this would be um paul coelho's um the alchemist wow. i read that yeah. book <laughs> Yeah, so I think that book really helped me push on so many things and, you know, begin to expect a lot more from the universe. And so, yeah, so that's one book I'll definitely recommend for everyone to read at least once in their lifetime. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm an avid lover of fiction, happy time fiction especially. So I can go on and on on, on that front, but yeah. Any top recommendation books by Chimamanda, Sefiata, and any of the other big names, I would definitely swear by them. Um, for young people who are looking to build a better reading culture, I would say that you should definitely explore books that, first of all, tickle your fancy. And when I say tickle your fancy, I mean explore books that dwell around things that interest you. Mm. And so when you already have an interest in that, it becomes easier for you to see the process of reading the book through from cover to cover. And then there are so many people that have um, issues with, you know, reading um, limitations. Let me use that word. Limitations because there are so many um, developmental restraints such as dyslexia uh, and so many other things like developmental issues like that. But um, when you explore books around your area of interest. And when I say interest, I'm not just talking about like something you love, 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 love. It might be another area that you're curious about. So there are moments when I'm, maybe there's a person that I, I feel that, oh, this person is amazing, it's inspiring, and I really want to know what makes their story thick. So if I pick up a book by Michelle Obama, 
I know that first of all, I'm already intrigued or fascinated by persona. So when I'm reading the book, it becomes like that curiosity sustains me to the end of it. And yeah, um, so when you see reading from that perspective, it, it helps a great deal. So I hope that's like a tip that really, really helps. And if there's someone that also still struggles in spite of reading <laughs> things that intrigue you, then I would suggest having leveraging the power of accountability. And so there are so many book clubs that exist in this age and time that you can definitely be a part of. And that would help you see a book through from cover to cover. So book clubs are like social gatherings of young people. And, and during the early days of Ruben, I used to encourage people that have like very good goodwill and social capital to you know start up book clubs because you know you bring people together for social reasons, but underneath underlining that social interaction and the enjoyment. You guys are also coming together to discuss the book at the end of the month. So try and join a book club. Find, if you don't have anyone around you, you can start off one with your friends. Create a WhatsApp group. Find a book and then and it will start with smaller books that are easy to you know, finish up or with it that are less than 200 or 100 pages. I see that true. And before you know it, by the end of the year, you're beating your chest and you're saying, yes, I read 12 books in 2023. I mean, that's the energy. <laughs> that's the energy that we need. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's that's some powerful tips that you actually shared, to be honest. Um, the 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 one you talked about, the social gathering, and also reading books that actually tickle your fancy, things that you actually want to learn and read would definitely help you in building your reading habits. We've talked a lot about your journey from uni to roving night to book lady to you um exploring other aspects of you and drop throughout your career some of these steps and tips that has worked for you as much potentialized you know going on for your mba you shared a little bit some of the aspects of that so right now i want to actually ask about your challenges i know some of the people will be like oh my goodness this is really nice you've done a lot of things but i should have feel that anything before <laughs> you know so i'm like interested in it at least you know even roving night i know um some awards recognitions and everything came along the line you know with the things with how roving night expanded over the years but what are some of the challenges or failures you experienced in your journey as a young entrepreneur building different kind of businesses in Nigeria? Yeah. Thank you for that question. Um, success. Clarity uh, um, bus boost. Yeah. I love to post bus boost. They would always happen. I think it's a part of the journey and it's a part of what makes life what it is. Two failures moments that we want to talk about. One from my career friend and then from the business side of my life. Um, Business-wise, um, I know sometime in 2016, I had applied for a grant opportunity and I was really hoping and trusting that it was going to come through. And I even was so confident in my application that I went on to support other people in applying. And one of those people actually got the grants and I did not. Excuse me. It was such a hard knock on for me then because... It was quite a very popular grant or funding opportunity. There, I, I won't want to mention their name, but if you dig in very closely, you probably can decipher. And that moment was such a 
an awful one for me because I, I told that, you know, it was sort of like the pat on the back that I needed and the kind of validation that I wanted to get for eating come. And so it was really a tough one to handle. So much so that um, I went on to cry to my brother, then was the co-founder. He didn't even understand the gravity of how I was feeling. And of course, he went on to say that, don't worry, like success is the best revenge for some of these things that one magbo. That's what like um, he couldn't do. Um, you didn't get it now, but you, the business is going to become some a force to reckon with that it will be so hard for them to you know and also um yes down the lane I'm so grateful that you know things have worked in my favor and you know it was just a momentary downtime and so for me I always like I rightly mentioned earlier failures are always moments for taking taking lessons and also you know getting better. Um, on the career front, I think very recently I had some of the what what adjective can I use to describe this? This was really really recent, like some repeated moments of rejection and failure. Um, for obvious reasons, actually, not even for obvious reasons. Um, I moved to the UK in 2020 after my MBA. Decided to stay back and you know explore. Um, what it is like to work with like a multinational or international organization. But it became really hard to get my food at the door, in spite of all of the experience and valuable things that I supposedly believe I, you know, have achieved or accomplished over the years. And um, for over 14 months, I was consistently applying for rules that I feel I qualify and even some that I feel I overqualified for and nothing was coming through. And those were deep moments of self-doubt, serious questioning. And so when I say that I've had my fair share of, you know, failure moments and, you know, repeated times of rejection, I definitely can know what I am saying. And I can totally identify with anyone going through something similar. So, um, but eventually, um, things began to level up and I, I got my picture eventually and the rest, like they say, is history. You know, um, the lessons that I picked along the way was to never doubt that first God is with me, second that I am magic. And when I say that I am magic is to never doubt the that I, who I am and what power and possibilities that can happen when I don't stop believing in myself. It might be hard, but it helps a great deal. And so for many of the failure moments I had, Hard when I look back at them, I'm quick to see that you know there are lessons to pick up from them, and beyond that as well, they are just stumbling blocks that I should use as um, launch pads to my success. If that doesn't sound so as bad to my too much to you, so yeah. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it actually sounded as as much as that. And thank you for really sharing that aspect. And even when you were going through all of all this you still kept on pushing so before i let you go there's one question i used to ask i said asking my guests recently is when you get what this what comes to your mind yeah when i think about liquidness i think of something without boundaries um i think of the large space and the endless possibility yeah that's my simple response to that oh powerful 
Thank you so much. This was really the episode, you guys. Go and follow Ruben's Eye on all their social media platforms. Go and buy a book. Follow Toby on all social media platforms. Just connect with her. I really enjoyed me that I did interview. I really enjoyed this podcast. And it was really nice, fun, you know, listening to you. It was more like a a conversation, you know, where I was just like learning from your journey and how far that you've come. And it was so nice to have you here on board. Thank you for honoring our invitation. I'm so sure that my team, people that also helped me doing this podcast, will be so excited because I've been disturbing them for ages that, oh, I'm going to speak to one of the co-founders of Ruby Night. I, I literally have been doing that. And seeing this happen is more like a dream come true and another milestone for us. So yeah, thank you so much. And before I let you go, just give us your final words and, you know, some advice for young people that are probably starting out, even if they already they have already started out and like looking forward to enjoying more leap or taking more steps in their career or in their life in general. Um, passing words, word of advice. I'll just <laughs> keep it short and simple, um, which is to um, test every idea that comes to mind. And I think I had mentioned this during the course of the conversation that there's a need. That there's no harm in trying. There's no harm in trying, and um, I think it's one of those words that I live by. Because um, I haven't tried out some of the crazy ideas that have popped up in my head. Perhaps Shrivenites would not have come to be. Perhaps Shrivenites wouldn't have provided that opportunity for people like success to, you know, feed their minds through books. Um, if I hadn't tried out. Um, the crazy idea of um, launching the book lady or every other thing that I have done, I never would have known what lies on the other side and you know, the endless possibility or limitless things that could happen. So please give wins to your ideas by trying them out, testing them out, and you know, whoever can tell what will happen afterwards. So please just do. Yeah, just start and try. And you know, the sky will be your starting point. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, thank you so much. So, you guys have heard it try, step out of your comfort zone. You never can tell which of your ideas are really going to work. We've had like an amazing conversation with Toby today, you know, hearing everything that she's done from starting moving heights, exploring her other interests in marketing. And also communications and PR, starting the book lady NG, the importance of starting small, the importance of taking baby steps and you know just following your dreams and also allowing other people to also assist and sharing your ideas with people that really matter. So this has really been an interesting episode. Um, thank you for listening and you can as well follow Rubens. I am going to add all the content information um, on how to get through to Toby, I think. Um, how do you think people can connect with you? Because I know some people may want to. So what social media platform should I add? Should I add Instagram or LinkedIn? I'm people to add um, any of it too. Instagram, I'm Toby Day on LinkedIn, Toby Day, And then on Twitter, I think I'm Enyade Toby there. So yeah, happy to connect. All right, thank you so much. Thank you so much for being with us. And if you have any questions, you have any um 
feedback on this episode let us know we're looking forward to seeing you guys on our next episode thank you so much everyone for being with us till now and enjoy the rest of your week and your day whenever you listen to this episode bye guys (laughs) 